Welcome to another episode of the Product Light Podcast. This is your co-host Ramley John, and I'm taking over for Wes for this episode. Today, I have Jane Portman. She is the co-founder of UserList, and I saw this article she posted up on Indie Hawkers. Why a $9 per month plan is better than premium. I know that might sound controversial, but Jane explains why they decided that for UserList. We also go through how they design onboarding for UserList. Talking about user onboarding, I just want to let you know that Wes and I are doing onboarding workshops online for select companies. In those trainings, we'll walk you through the battle-tested onboarding framework that will help you create onboarding experiences that convert without resorting to short-term salesy tactics. Through our history working on onboarding experiences for companies like Grow.com, Dynatrace, Outsystems, and more, we've seen inside more SaaS onboarding experiences than anybody else on the planet. So if you're interested about that for you and your company, go to productled.com forward slash training or find that link in the description. Well, enough about this. Let's jump in in my chat with Jane. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to have Jane from UserList. I've seen one of her posts on Indie Hackers and, you know, I've been following her on Twitter. You know, she has a lot to talk about, about product. And I bet you're going to learn a lot from her. That's that's all I know that what you're going to get from this. And I promise you that. How's it going, Jane? How are things with you? Thanks so much for having me. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, I can't complain. I know it's it's morning here and it's afternoon where you're at. So, you know, I'm excited to talk about what you're doing. Before we started, can you talk a little bit about your story of how you started UserList uh, for our listeners? Sure. UserList is a customer messaging tool for SaaS. And we started out like two and a half years ago. And we started with just doing email automation. But then we recently added in-app messages to the mix. So we're you can pick the right channel for each message. And the special sauce, I mean, there is a ton of awesome tools out there you can use. So the special sauce is that we think that we know what founders, SaaS founders need specifically. So this is built just for them. And therefore, it's much more simple and accessible and affordable and just overall pleasant to use than some of the enterprise tools out there, some of the competitors we can say, like Intercom and others. <laughs> I mean, these tools are great, but they have so many features that we know are not always used. Mm. So we try to address that problem. And um, we're excited at the current stage of things. Recently, there's been a lot of things going on, but they all kind of came together a few weeks ago. Uh, we got funded by Tiny Seed. Oh, nice. Congrats. In the beginning of the year. And we couldn't talk about it until like two weeks ago. So that came out. And we've also been working on those in-app messages that just launched. And we also added this new $9 starter plan, which is our way to sort of address the situation with the crisis and the support new business out mm. there and so on. So now all of these are like live and it's really exciting for the stage for it. And for the story itself, we started out two and a half years ago. There were three of us originally, myself, my co-founder, Benedict, the engineering brain behind that all. And Claire Solentrop, she was doing marketing, but then she had other things to focus on. So right now she's an advisor and still owns some part of the company. So the team of two right now, we've been going full-time since January and it's been great. Congrats. I, I, I completely forgot that that you did get that tiny seed. There was a few companies there. It's an, a year-long, uh, essentially, accelerator, right? And it's started by Rob Walling, I believe. 
Yeah. And Einar Walset. Nice. Yeah. So congrats with that. And, you know, one, one of the you. reasons why I reached out was that $9 plan. I mentioned it earlier in the intro that I read it in, in the hackers how you talked about how $9 is much better than premium. And that goes against a lot of advice from people who are just like, give away things for free. It's just marketing costs. But you know, uh, free users aren't free, essentially for us, right? That's for founders. First of all, why did you and your founder offer that instead of like a free plan right now for user lists? So we've been card up front free 14-day trial from day one. And uh, the lowest tier was $49. So still somewhat affordable. But we really wanted to do something to fuel the growth and also to help younger company in the crisis. So sort of to make it a no-brainer. And uh, we've discussed the free plan for ages. And we have put together... So we did this uh, shape-up method where before agreeing to build a feature, we actually write down what it would take to build it. And we had this feature card for the free plan for a while. And we had an enormous to-do list what it would take to get a free plan with no card up front. And that... Because we're in the email industry and this is very sensitive. We have this like potential spam abuse problem. Mm. And overall, like what if someone starts on a free plan and then they grow out, but they, we don't have their card on, on the file? Right. What is this extortion problem? <laughs> like... like how are we going to upgrade them if we don't have a card in a file? And we would really hate to stop their automations in a few weeks. Even with the grace period, it's still not exciting to interfere with people's businesses. So to ensure the smooth curve, it was really much smarter to do something like where the card would be stored up front. So we had this free plan hanging and also we have this structure of user onboarding where we have the onboarding sequence and the plans. With the free plan, we would have to go in and redo everything mm. to uh, to just for people who'll be forever free. Like this conversion moment is not there anymore if they're if they fit on the free plan. So it would require a lot of work to build. And then suddenly Benedict came up with this idea saying, well, why don't we just make a super cheap plan instead? Uh, so it would really very easily remove all these barriers and to-do items from our list. It would be the matter of adding another plan in Stripe to the pricing page and then, you know, promoting it and like doing the splash. But technically, it's much, much smoother to launch than a free plan in our books. So it's a lot of uh, reasons to that. And um, we're happy we did it this way. No, it totally makes sense to to do it from my point of view. And you're right, I didn't think about the, the whole spam thing that, that does come up. You mentioned before we started recording that, you know, is this something that you're going to do going forward or you're considering opening up an actual free plan in the future? Yeah, so for this and running a, like a free plan or a cheap plan like that, it sh- we should always treat that as an experiment. Mm. So when we set out with that, we have this timeline of three months to keep it going for three months. Then we have some KPIs that we've settled. For example, the number of trials that we strive for, because we hopeful that <laughs> it will increase the number of trials, the number of signups. So we have some KPIs and then after three months long, we will evaluate the results and then uh, figure out what to do next. So it, it will keep hanging for at least three months. Mm. So far, I don't think we will... It's a wonderful marketing engine. So we're, I don't think we're going to remove it entirely, but let's see how it goes. So as part of Tiny Seed, 
the first few weeks were largely dedicated to pricing. Oh. And we collected a lot of other opinions and other things. So you can think about this $9 plan in different ways. One of the ways is the ways we have been thinking. So it's better than nothing and it eliminates the super like tire kicker kind of customers. Right. Uh, but another way is to think about it as an anchor. Uh, so let's say our pricing grid says $9, $49, like $99 as the, the tiers go. And um, you could think that $9 actually is not that great to have as a number on that. Because free and then 49 something else, it feels slightly different because mm. the lowest number you see is 49 so there are different ways to address that. We could keep $9 as is. We could downplay it. Let's say put it on the footer of the pricing page. Right. Like it's still, still be there, but not so accentuated. Or we could remove it and replace it with free altogether and maybe keep the card up front to avoid those complications that we talked about. Mm. So there are different things we could be doing. And uh, still not sure what we're going to do. Let's see. <laughs> That's awesome. That I didn't know that the first few weeks were about pricing. I had a question about that, like how you landed on $9. Why not? Oh, I see $7 or 5 Why $9? Was there some kind of thought process to it? Is it just like a, something you see a lot of startups do? <laughs> it's not a complex thought process. Well, it's basically something that feels natural in a single digit. And... Uh, I remember many years ago, I was selling books at UI Breakfast. So I did this $1 book sale one day. And somebody told me, well, you make $1 per book. Why not make it a $5 book sale? It'd be the same kind of effect, but five times more money. So yeah, <laughs> like, I think in this regard, $9 per month is better than $1 yeah. a month. Even though, of course, we understand it's a ridiculously small amount yeah. of money for the kind of engine that we're using and the software mm. that we provide. <laughs> I think that makes sense because, you know, the company I work with right now, they use Intercom and it's it's not cheap. <laughs> $9 is such a no-brainer, right? Like it, it's like for what your app does, it totally makes sense. There are some more considerations as to why this small plan makes sense specifically for user list. Of course, onboarding, like for many other companies, onboarding is a pain for us because there's a lot of friction to install the yeah. app, to put the campaigns together. That's natural. I mean, we're kind of at peace with that right now, but it's still like the problem exists. We would like to do better. And this there is always this period between when the app gets installed and then like when the product goes live, for example. And it might be a two, three months delay. And uh, just charging $9 per month for that waiting mm. period makes perfect yeah. sense. So people don't like, they're just get on board and then wait for the official launch, for example. Whereas at another price, they might be a little bit more sensitive and might delay, say like, okay, we'll come back in six weeks or something. But, you know, the energy kind of uh, sometimes tapers out. So we want to catch, strike the mm. iron when it's hard. <laughs> when it's hot. That totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that of. totally makes sense. And I think that ties to what you're, you mentioned in Indie Hackers, that you make sure that the free plan, the only limitation is the number of, I think, messages or users that they can send out. Because uh, you were talking about making sure that the $9 plan experience is really great for them. And you're not limiting like, oh, I'm going to turn off this specific tab here so that they can't ever use it until they upgrade. Like, wh why did you not limit specific features for the startup plan? I love your questions. They're so on point. And uh, we had 
many discussions about that. And one of the reasons we had those discussions is because we were bringing on this new channel, in-app messages, which brings lots of value. So we were discussing whether to switch on this channel for higher tiers, for all tiers. If we do the free plan, shall we uh, shall we include it? Shall we not? And there were we had like a table, decision making table of different options. So the runner ups, uh, there were two options we were actually discussing between the top options were introduce in app messages starting from the ninety nine dollar plan. So not the first and not the second one, or vice versa, going all in and doing no feature gating and whatsoever and just doing it from day one. Economically, to be honest, I think it makes sense to enable it from the $99 plan. But on the other hand, our stakes with the $9 plan are to help these businesses grow. So why would we, as a tool provider, deprive them of some important features? Because that could potentially not help them grow. So we decided to adopt the growth mindset and help these early users with mm. the full set of features from day one so that they can enjoy it, fuel all the things, and then grow smoothly from there on. And also this friction point where it's much better to have everything installed and set up, like all the campaigns written from day one, as opposed to having to wait until they hit certain price point or something. So uh, we have chosen that and it felt amazing because one of our key business points is to help mm. new companies, to help fellow bootstrap founders that jive perfectly well with that uh, philosophy. And it feels really good when your uh, economic decisions jive the <laughs> philosophy of your company. So we went with that. <laughs> no, I, I, it makes sense. I think, you know, like just delighting that free user so that they upgrade is such a great thing and you're growing with them, which leads me to my question about you chose the number of users as the thing to push, encourage people to to upgrade. I'm curious, what was the reasoning behind using that users, the number of users to, up, you know, the next plan over, I believe, is $49 for a thousand users. Yeah. For our customers, it's not really a choice. It's more of a scale mm. and the place of their business where they are at. I mean, it can be a choice, like technically speaking, you can start like purging or removing inactive subscribers, but that usually relates to higher plans when they have like yeah. thousands of free users. So they would go in and remove the dormant ones. So that's probably the only situation when a plan is a conscious choice. For, for the rest of the users, it's just a linear function of this value metric, which is the number of users in your application. So from day one, we've been really enjoying this expansion revenue, which means that your existing customers grow in scale and your MRR grows without you doing basically anything except for providing good service. So this is exactly the way we're planning to leverage that, to plant those early seeds and then enjoy some of those businesses grow and upgrade as they increase their number of customers. And one company we're looking up for there is Stripe. Mm -hmm. And you can see what they're doing with Indie Hackers and uh, Atlas and everything is basically channeled towards one huge goal to help new businesses appear and mm -hmm. grow. They're not feature-gating them right. when they start. Vice versa, they provide all the tooling or the advice possible to help them grow. So we are thinking along those lines. That totally makes sense. Like you're... You know, it goes back to the mindset and that mission that you have to help founders grow. So this pricing really does reflect that. 
I want to shift gears and talk about onboarding. There are some great stuff there that I found, like particularly uh, the video. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because when I I signed up yesterday, sorry, I'm messing up your metrics, right? I, I, I did a dummy sign up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video from you. You're just welcoming. It's very warm. Benedict, your co-founder, and Claire also said hi. I didn't know there was an article. You mentioned there was an article behind that thought process. Can you explain the reasoning behind that video and why maybe more companies should be welcoming their users? Sure. Well, it's glad that you're bringing it up. That article that you mentioned, it's on our blog and it was inspired by someone else, one of our customers uh, going through the sign-up process and also quite happy about this video that they saw. So we're like, what was the thinking? Like, why? So basically, we've had this uh, from last August since we launched officially. And uh, the thinking process was, we already knew by that time that it's really hard to nudge users using like enforcement methods to do something. And uh, what they really need is basically to get somewhat inspired. And uh, the only goal we were addressing with this video is to make them feel happy, welcome, Mm. and inspired to keep going. Because we do have like tons of help docs and guides and everything. If they want, the links are all over the place. So it's not really hard to find specific instructions. But on the other hand, the welcome spirit is something that you can only create in this very moment of them creating a new account. So we added this video and uh, with the only purpose to make the user feel welcome and personable. Yeah. And then the rest of the onboarding is really unobtrusive. And uh, I'm a UI UX consultant by trade and there are different opinions. And of course, like guides and walkthroughs, they do work, but I'm not a huge fan of that. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, Benedict uh, agrees on that stance. So we have informative uh, blank slates uh, inside the app. We have good help docs. But the rest of the onboarding is kind of behind the scenes. It's mm. um, behavior-based email, which we right. dog food. Uh, we send it to using list, And we're going to add some in-app messages now. Now they have this uh, channel to provide some helpful tips along the way. But yeah, we, we prefer to keep the onboarding somewhat clean. Mm. And so another important thing that we do is those onboarding demos. So when you sign up, when you create an account, you're going to later get a personal invite to join a demo. So we prefer to do this way, to offer help instead of trying to you know, bombard the user with tips like right. daily or things yeah. like that. Yeah, it can, it can be annoying. I'm curious um, <laughs> what your reasoning, for me, it's, it's annoying, right? Like if you're like, pop sure. up here, do this. <laughs> what is your reasoning for not liking walkthrough as a UI UX consultant? Because basically the core idea of a good UI is to be easy to use like it, <laughs> and uh, providing instructions like click the button here. Well, if you need these instructions, that probably means that your UI is somewhat not bad, not good or something. I imagine there might be products out there who will benefit from like a super short onboarding video. Not like our video, but really if the core usage of the app can be explained in 30 seconds and otherwise impossible to get yourself. Like I imagine that could be case for some products, maybe then, but then explainer videos do work much better because you get the full user attention for at least 30 seconds. And as for the tips, 
people are trying to get their own way through that. And these tips are actually interrupting their experience. Mm. And there is a wonderful UX professional named Samuel Hulick out there. Yeah. He wrote books on user onboarding. And I kind of borrowed these concepts from him many years ago. And all my consulting practice has been proof. There are also some books out there saying that you can't really micromanage the user into doing stuff. You'd better be off, you know, inspiring and providing some other kinds of motivation rather than uh, just nudges uh, like, mm. like that. <laughs> Talking about that inspiration, uh, you know, when I logged in, I saw the empty state you linked to the integration guide and then the planning worksheets, which was, uh, it's like, oh, cool, there's a worksheet that I can go through <laughs> to do this. Is there anything else that you have in works to help users install the, the user list app? I'm guessing that's probably the biggest barrier into getting some new users started. Yeah, surely. It's not like a lot of products out there. You can just log in and start using it. In our case, the app serves as a UI for the data mm. that you send. Mm. So in order to, to things be, be well, it's not a matter of small snippet. It's more like a developer going in and adding a few lines of code, which is Definitely not a huge amount of work, but it requires developer qualification. So we are aware of that, but it's a conscious choice as opposed to, let's say, the data you can receive from a JavaScript snippet. It's about page views, it's about buttons clicked, while we try to solicit the kind of small number of properties that are really crucial mm. to the reflect the user journey. For example, if there is a photo editing app, the best way to use user list would be to send over information about the users, like number of photos, number of albums, maybe a few feature flags and some overall user data. So it's not really necessary to show like button clicks and everything. Mm. So this kind of integration, it's a little bit more custom, but it allows for cleaner, more important, uh, but less amount of data. And um, yeah. Benedict has been great at putting together libraries for different uh, languages. So that's what we're doing. We have these worksheets that you mentioned, which helps non-developers put together sort of a, a little tracking plan before they head to developers and try to tell them what to do. So that that's supposed to help. Basically, as much as we can do, we're already doing, then it's a yeah. matter of energy, and enthusiasm, and inspiration. Because mm. for people who are our successful users, they didn't have that much trouble. Mm. I should probably also mention that there is a segment integration going on. So if you're a segment right, user, you can just plug that in and uh, start using it. So that's even faster. Yeah. See? <laughs> Many ways. <laughs> yeah. The segmenting makes sense. I've used that a few times for other apps. It just, you know, it just, just works if you have it all set up. One final thing about onboarding is I noticed, and this probably goes back to you're talking about people just bombarding you and just spam is that you ask for a credit card up front. Uh, I'm curious why that is. And I'm get, and like I said, I'm guessing it's probably because you don't want the spammer sending out those spam. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons. And well, we actually have had a lot of discussions about removing the card up front. So it's not a decision set in stone. And it's one of those very powerful experiments that we could do sometime later to remove the card. But one of the primary reasons is that we mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, what if they have their emails up and running and then they run out of the days on their trial? What do we do? Do we stop onboarding emails in their product? That's, uh, that's really bad. So we have chosen to ask for a card up front. Also, there are many articles out there that 
describe how like free plans and kind of no card kind of killed their bootstrap business. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. <laughs> so we have not been there, but we're a small team. So for us, it's at the moment, it's more sustainable to work with a smaller mm. number of more qualified leads right. as opposed to a large number of people who are less serious about the product. But it's a great experiment to run. Uh, everybody should do that if they have time and free support resources. <laughs> I love how you frame things as experiment, the $9 plan, this credit card. And I, I know I didn't put this in the list uh, of questions that I wanted to ask you, but maybe is there any other experiments that you have coming up that you're like really excited about or, you know, that you have one running right now that you're like, oh man, I'm pretty pumped about this. Or you're maybe you're <laughs> excited for all your experiments. Well, I think the, the $9 plan is uh, the biggest experiment we're running at the moment. Everything else is more like different marketing approaches that we're trying out, but these are definitely minor to that. So two big things we have is $9 plan and the newly launched in-app messages. So right. we're like all ears to, to see how that affects new customers, new signups and overall like product experience for them. So we have finally launched both just a few weeks ago and now just sitting back and watching how it unfolds from there. That's exciting. Congrats. Awesome. Thank you. I'm just about <laughs> to uh, wrap up and you've been working with a lot of founders with UserList and I'm sure as a consultant, if you had one advice to founders, it could be anything. It could be pricing, it could be UX, it could be totally anything. What would that one advice be to founders right now? It's not about the goal. It's about the journey. So mm. it's about, I don't know, imagine Tetris. There is no way of, gain, of winning at Tetris. There are tons of ways of losing at Tetris. But if you win, it just means that you keep going. So it's a little bit the same for SaaS. The one founder wins who stays longer. Right. And there is no single thing that will move the needle overnight and make you a smashing success. It's more about like hours and hundreds of hours of hard work over a few years and make sure it's enjoyable. So if you really hate what you're doing, <laughs> maybe you should like tweak something and maybe try different marketing channels that you like more, try different audiences that you like more. And many years ahead, just to, you know, chime in and enjoy the process. That's good. I love Tetris. That's a great analogy. I'm <laughs> And just one final question, you know, where can people find out more about you and UserList? And I, I heard that you're offering something for the product-led growth community as well. Yeah, we do have a little discount set up for you. You can save 30% off your first three months. And to get that, head over to userlist.com slash product dash led. And I hope we can include that in the show notes I will. Uh, for yep. convenience. And overall, we're... At there at useless.com, have a nice blog putting out some resources out there. Welcome to join anytime. Awesome. That's great. And do you, you have Twitter or LinkedIn that you want to send people about you personally? Yeah. So my own personal account is at UI Breakfast, and I run my personal website at uibreakfast.com. And that's also a place to another podcast about UI UX design if you're up for it. Awesome. <laughs> I will also link that podcast. It's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jane. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.